real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. If you haven't already, be sure to grab your free copy of my first two books, Frugalpreneur and Authorpreneur, by going to thesarahstjohn.com forward slash free. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John. My guests today are a hypnotist and mind reader duo who help small business owners become email marketing heroes for their businesses. Please welcome Robin Kennedy from the Email Marketing Hero Show and ResponseSuite.com. Hey. Hello. I think, I think listeners are going to be thinking this is like April Fool's Day or something. A hypnotist, I know what now. <laughs> it sounds made up to me. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I should include that in the intro, but I'm like, well, why not? That sparks people's interest, I think. And maybe y'all can uh, give us a little more background and, and history and maybe go into that a little bit and how y'all got connected and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously a little bit of a strange background. So I'm Rob. I'll be speaking with this voice for the rest of the interview. Kennedy is, the, um, well, he's the other one. I'll be, I'll be the one doing all the humor for the rest of the interview. That's what he thinks. So basically, we met about 20 years ago, and for almost 18 years now, I've been lucky enough to travel almost all over the world, performing as a comedy stage hypnotist. So getting people up on stage, making them do crazy things for an hour, unleash their imagination, and then send them back down to the audience. And Kennedy is a mind reader. You in the States would know that as a mentalist, uses psychology and reading people and understanding behavior and statistics to make it look a lot like he can read people's minds. Because let's face it, when you have that skill set, you, you basically can. It's the nearest real thing. And we met at the coolest place on earth, which is a magician's convention. Yes, that's right. Those places you've heard of. And so we just started talking about life as an entertainer and the fact we were starting up our entertainment businesses. And we realized very early on that we had accidentally started a business, right? You don't just put an ad in like the yellow pages and then wait for people to call and say, hey, you're a hypnotist can you come and do my party? Instead, you have to learn how to position yourself and brand yourself and be able to charge more than the other people, but still have a busy diary. And we were really lucky that we just sort of figured it out quite quickly. And because we started young, we got quite a head start. And suddenly we were taking on these guys who'd been doing the and women who'd been doing the same thing for like 20 years. And suddenly we were fully booked and charging more to appear than them. And that was crazy to people. And so very quickly, we started getting these fake inquiries from like other entertainers who would pick up the phone and pretend to be Marjorie from Microsoft trying to book for their corporate do and just trying to find out how much we charged. And then people came and said, look, you're quite expensive and we can see that you're busy from social media and stuff. How are you doing it? So in the end, we ended up coaching other entertainers. I was working with other hypnotists. Kennedy was working with all types of different entertainers, still does, to help them build their better entertainment businesses. And from both our offline, our actual entertainment businesses and our online coaching other people to do what we were doing, email marketing was the number one thing we used because we hate selling. So picking up the phone and selling stuff for us, nightmare, not a good time at all. 
And so for us, email was the, the number one way that we got inquiries, turned those inquiries into bookings. And then from an online point of view, we built lists and sold membership programs and coaching programs. And eventually we decided that we wanted to teach how we were applying our psychological stuff to email. And now we've helped hundreds of different businesses in hundreds of different industries to, to really impact their business in a better way with email. Wow, that's awesome. I think email is one of those things that I know it's one of those things that I struggle with. It's hard to know how often to email, what to email about. And I know I've listened to y'all on a couple of shows and whatnot, and y'all talk about actually emailing every day. But how do you do that without burning out the audience? Because I know like for me, when someone signs up for my lead magnet and then gets on my email list, I was doing a seven day email sequence, but a couple of people would respond with, how often do you send these out? It seems like it's a lot. Can I get on a different list? to work. I don't get an email every day. Anyway, so when y'all were talking about emailing every day, I was kind of surprised because I hadn't really heard that before. So I guess if you can go over that, how, how do you do that without burning out the audience? Yeah, I think what's really interesting, Sarah, is that what's really beautiful about email marketing is that it is the high, we're here talking about frugalpreneurs. We're here about low cost, high impact marketing methods. And Email marketing is one of the lowest cost methods of doing marketing. But more importantly than that, it is known the world over by much smarter people than us that it's the highest return on investment activity any business can do. And in the UK alone, it's seen as a 40 times multiple return on investment. In the States, I think the number was higher. I think it was 60 times multiple return on investment. So when people say, I haven't got time to do email marketing or anything like that, or to invest in understanding it, well, good news is it's a really good thing to try and find the time to do. It's a really good thing. So how do you find the time and how do you, I mean, there's a few bits of emailing regularly, whether it's every day or not. The first thing that's to understand is we are not naturally gifted writers. In fact, the reason we don't write a blog and instead chose to host our own podcast, The Email Marketing Show, that you were kindly, kindly mentioned at the beginning of the show. Thank you for that. The reason we do that is because we're not gifted writers. In fact, we started our business, Email Marketing Heroes, where we we would blog and we would take it in turns, Rob and I. One week, Rob would write a blog post, I would write the next week. And I loved it when it was Rob's week to write the, the, the blog. I loved it. And Rob only liked it when it was my week. So we're, we're not very good at that. And so that's the reason that, uh, that we started doing as a podcast. And it's the thing that people think, oh, you must be gifted writers, or maybe you're just really entertaining because you entertain us. The truth is, you don't have to be a good writer. You don't have to be funny to, to do really good email marketing. And you can still show up as often as you would like. And for us, it's okay, so we want to show up every day. So the other thing to know is that I'm dyslexic, which means the whole writing thing is there's a bit of a barrier there for me to do it. Yet across our businesses, we don't write an email every day. We write four emails every day across our four different businesses. Now, that sounds like, hey, oh, Kennedy, oh, he's showing off now. He can write four emails. No, it's not that. The thing is, if you just systemize anything and put it into a really simple formula, then it becomes easier. So we knew we wanted to email every day because we saw the results. And the result is you have deeper relationships with people if you do the right kind of content. Obviously, if you just email every day, we're like, hey, here's a thing to buy. Oh, and the next day, hey, here's another thing to buy. Do this for me. And it's all one-sided. If you do what we call the old way of doing email marketing, which is basically email marketing that only serves you as a business, then 
please don't email ever. Never mind every day. Just don't do it because that's not how people consume content anymore. If you think about it, we now no longer use our email the way that it was first invented. When email first came around, it was the electronic mail. It was the replacement for letters from your gran. It's no longer that. Email is just another app on your phone, on your subscribers, on your potential customers' phones that is sit there snuggled between TikTok and Clubhouse. It's just sat there and that's where it, and that's where people consume it. So what we want to do and the reason we're sort of appearing on so many lovely shows like this one is because we really want to change the way we all think about email marketing to be it's a content channel. It's a way of delivering value. So at the moment people are ready to buy from you, you are there, you've built up the knowledge of your products and services, and you've built up the trust and the authority that it's going to be good, not what it used to be, which is I'll email when I want to make a sale. No, that's not going to work anymore. So we do need to flip that switch to thinking about it as a way that you can show up and give value every single day. If you're on our email list, you receive a tip from us every single day that's going to help you to improve your email marketing. There are courses that used to be delivered like that, which you would pay for to receive that email every single day. We give that away for free in all as value. And then of course we make offers as well. So we are switching that around completely about this being a valuable content driven medium. I love how, like you said, that you put a tip in every email. So people are obviously encouraged to open the email because they want to see what that tip is. So then in the email, do you also make any kind of pitch or call to action? Or is that only the occasional email where that's included? Or I guess, how do you break down the email? I'm curious, like the structure of it. So what we needed to get away from was this idea of sending emails for a while that like for whatever period of time that are designed to deliver value so that every now and then we can hit them with a pitch. So what we didn't want to do was to spend loads of time saying, here's some value, here's some more tips, here's a blog post, here's another thing of value, here's some more value. And then every once in a while where we feel like we've lulled people into a false sense of security and everything's, this is all good. Yes, we built up enough goodwill here and then bam, there's a pitch. And then some people buy some people unsubscribe some people report you a spam suddenly because you've come out of the blue with this pitch we wanted to get away from that and also away from the complication of having to think about like have i sent enough value right now is this have i been going long enough here and also on top of all of that we wanted to be able to level out the sales because what most people have with email and everything in their business is massive spikes of sales and then big troughs while they're doing the value bit and then suddenly they do a launch again and they make a big spike of sales we want to make sales every day we made sales on christmas day kennedy was enjoying his lovely christmas dinner i was enjoying my lovely christmas dinner a sale came through we get a notification on our phone and we both dropped each other a slack message and said dude somebody just joined the league on on christmas day how cool is that so we want to be able to make sales every day and, and doesn't every business so what we decided to do was to create structures and frameworks that allow us to make an offer in every single email and deliver the value in every single email that you've talked about, but do it in a way where A, you never run out of stuff because there's only so much stuff we can teach, right? There are limits to all of our knowledge and limits to all of our creative output and stuff. So we wanted to be able to make sure we never ran out of stuff. We could do it in minutes a day. Literally, Kennedy writes his daily email for one of his businesses in like four and a half minutes a day. It's like less than the time it takes the kettle to boil. 
on a morning when he makes his morning cup of tea at half past five in the morning. And so all of this stuff has to be easy. So we came up with four basic frameworks that allow you to do it dead easily. I'll give you one of them here. We call this the traditional one just because it's the one we traditionally use. But basically what happens is it's usually... And this is quite funny. For ages, people would say, how long are your emails? And we'd say, oh, I don't know, about 500 words. And the truth is we'd never counted. We were just guessing. So one day, Kennedy just messaged me and said, I've just counted your email that you sent out. And it was 100. Can I just say, I didn't sit and count it. I'm not that person. I didn't actually sit and count the words. I put it into one of those things, what counts the words for you? Like, I'm not that guy going, it's one word, two words. I didn't do that. That's not true. So, yes, he said it's 175 words. And that was way shorter than we thought they were. And so typically, I think that's roughly where they sit now. So the way our structure for the traditional is basically the following. The first bit of it is a story. And literally, when I say a story, I don't mean something really intricate or difficult or whatever. It's not going to win you a storytelling competition or anything like that. You're literally looking for a fairly incidental, maybe amusing, maybe interesting thing that went on in your life. We always describe it as the least boring thing that happened in your life. Not the most interesting thing, because that puts pressure on it to be, oh, what's the most interesting thing? But the least boring thing. To give you some examples, recent ones for me were the fact that I bought a new mattress. I sent two emails about the fact I bought a mattress, one just when I ordered it and one when it arrived. About the fact I bought a doorbell, because this house has never had a doorbell on it in all the time I lived here. Ordered a doorbell, had it put on the door. Turns out nobody uses the doorbell, everybody just knocks on the door. Just really incidental, seemingly innocuous, mildly amusing things that go on in in our day-to-day lives. Funny things my guinea pig does, stuff like that. What we're looking to do is to find stories that people can relate to. So to put this into context, one of the people on our list replied, bear in mind, I'm talking about emails that are about email marketing here. Somebody replied to my email about having just got a new mattress and said, oh, we're looking to get a new mattress. Which one did you get? And what that means is that we've built a trusting relationship with that person beyond the fact that they look to us for email marketing advice, but actually they're now looking at other stuff. I recently took up running, sent an email about the fact I've started running. And one of our customers who sells high vis runners vests replied and said, oh, I sell these. Tell me what size you are and give me your address and I'll send you one. Again, we've connected much deeper than just being the people who turn up every time we want to make a sale. So the first step is to tell a little story. Very, very short, very to the point, very, you know, and and it's just to connect with people on something interesting. Then what we do is we transition from that story into some kind of lesson, the tip, the thing that we want them to take away from this that is valuable and relevant to the thing. So in our case, email marketing. So I would talk about the story, the mattress, the doorbell, the running, whatever, transition that into some sort of rule, principle, maxim. You're basically looking to turn it into the moral of the story as that applies to whatever it is that you do and sell. Once you've done that, you then transition from that into the pitch, which basically, or the offer, which basically it could be a paid offer. Most of the time for us, it is. Every now and then it might be go and listen to this podcast episode, go and watch this video. Go. It's an offer of, basically it's a call to action. We don't really mind if it's a sale particularly, but it's definitely going to be a call to action because you want to make sure that your emails are never passive. You're almost never, your email should almost never be something that somebody can open, read, think, oh, that's nice. And then put in a folder and move on to the next email. You've got to train people to click on stuff. Whole bunch of reasons for that. Technical reasons, psychological reasons, whole bunch of things, which we can unpack as we go through. But basically you want to train people to click 
So there's got to be something in every email for them to click. When I say almost every, every now and then we might send an email, which is just warming them up for something that is to come. So like last November, we did a Black Friday sale. We sent them an email the day before Black Friday to say, just to let you know, we're doing a Black Friday sale tomorrow and it will open at XYZ time tomorrow. Watch out for that email. So there was nothing to click in that particular email, but it was just warming them up for something that was to come. So, but I would say like 99.9% of our emails have something to click in them. And then what that means is that your email is valuable. If somebody opened it and there was nothing for sale in it, they would still have a good reason to open the email. The email by itself was good and valuable and worth them opening. And if it's not the right time for them to buy from you right now, like they're just not in that phase, the pitch is almost invisible because you've got two really strong bits of value. You've got the story, which is entertaining by default, and it can have some other elements of value in it as well. And you've got the lesson, which is obviously educational, inspiring, useful, motivational, gives them permission to go and do the thing, whatever. So they get two bits of value from every email email they open. And the truth is that if they're not ready to buy from you right now, the pitch sort of just becomes invisible. It's not annoying. It's not in the way. It's just incidental. And if it is the right time for them to buy right now, then the pitch is exactly what they need and they click on it. And the pitch can be as watered down as if you want our full system for doing this, if you want our help for doing what we just talked about, if you want our nine amazing frameworks to do X, Y, Z thing, then click here to find out more and jump inside today. Wow, that's awesome. I I never really thought about that before that your call to action could be something that doesn't necessarily result in a sale, but just encourages them and and I guess programs them in a way to know to click on something in every email. So I know one issue that a lot of people have is figuring out how to even get people on their email list in the first place. And of course, I think a, a lead magnet is a good way to do that. What are some recommendations for a good lead magnet? Because right now, my lead magnet is I have three books and I give the PDF version away for free. But I'm starting to wonder if, because I know for me, when people give away books, it, it feels like a higher value than, you know, a checklist or whatever. So you download it, but are you ever actually going to read it? So I don't know. I'm thinking of maybe switching to something more like one or two pages. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the thing is with the lead magnet is you have to structure it in a very particular way. It's funny, we recently did a did a challenge about how to come up with a, a lead magnet that actually doesn't kill your sales because a lot of lead magnets actually get in people's way of being able to make an offer next because people are thinking, oh, well, I'll download that lead magnet and then the next page or the next email, it says, hey, I'm going to buy this thing. And in our minds, we all go, Maybe, but I, this is my first introduction to you. So I want to see if I like what, what's in the book. I want to watch that six hour training you've promised me for free or whatever the heck it is before I can even make any decisions. So that usually will get in the way. And that's just on a practical sense. There's a whole bunch of psychological ways we can be getting in the way of the sale as well. But the, one of the big things you nailed it, Sarah, is, is consumption. We need to make it so people can very quickly consume it or even know the value of it if they never even look at it. Because sometimes people do download lead magnets for when they are going to do that thing. So we don't have a YouTube channel, but if I, but I know maybe one day that's a, that's, that's, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that we might do a YouTube channel someday. So if I see a lead magnet about here's my YouTube channel layout checklist. I might download that, but I'm not in the buying phase right now. So the good news is the best lead magnet, the best one actually is not a lead magnet. And I know we talk about challenges. We talk about having a great checklist and stuff. Our best performing lead magnet, literally, if you went to emailmarketingheroes.com slash daily, you will see our best lead magnet. And it is this. Would you like a tip from us about your email marketing every single day? And that solves two things. One, 
we don't have to come up with a lead magnet. Two, you know, those complaints that you've been getting from people saying, are you going to email me every day? You don't get those complaints anymore because that's the very thing that they are asking for when they join your email list. So by saying, I'm going to give you value every single day, you are actually setting that up to be part of it. The other thing you can do to overcome that, by the way, as an aside, we have a four-day sequence that every single new subscriber goes through. It basically, our system immediately checks, are you new into our world? If the answer is yes, you go into our four-day, four-part getting to know you sequence. And the very first email in that getting to know you sequence sets up expectations. Hey, where Rob and Kennedy? This one's, Rob is the one with the red hair. Kennedy's the one with the white hair. And we're going to email you every day with a cool tip, but don't worry if you ever get tired of it, there's a link below. You can remove yourself. Also go, and then we start laying the groundwork of what's going to happen. So we say, we're going to email you every day. Number two, we want to do this thing that we call becoming 3D, which is we do not want to just be the person who they receive an email from. We also want to be the person who, so we go, hey, if you like podcasts, go check out, go to your Spotify and go find the email marketing show. And we link to it. Or if you want to come and join our free Facebook group and get involved in the community, because people love communities. So we tell them about the email marketing show community Facebook group. So you can basically be pointing people in different directions. So now they can be hearing from you four or five times a day. Okay, if you email me four or five times a day, I'm going to be upset. I'm not going to be your best friend. But if you drop me an email and I've expected the email because I'm the person who opted into that, there's a psychological principle called commitment and consistency. It's one of the core psychological principles in Robert Cialdini's book, Influence the Psychology of Persuasion. And that says that if we human beings commit to something, if we make the decision to do something, we will stand by it even when we know it's a bad idea. But once we've committed to it, we'll see it through. So that means if the person opts in, if they join your email list in order to receive an email from you every day, they can't be upset. They won't even think consciously to be upset about it because they decided. So that was a good decision for them. How many times with our partners have we said something and then we've realized They've got their opinion and they're actually right, but we just can't back down because otherwise we'll look foolish. That is commitment and consistency at work. That's how this thing works. So that's the best lead magnet is, hey, do you want to hear how to solve your big problem? So if you teach real estate, then if you want a tip about investing in real estate every single day, and that could be anything to do with real estate, then join my email list. Whatever it is you do, you can have, and what's great is, it's really fast to do. You don't have to go and get a design done or anything. Talk about frugal. There's no layout. There's no, there's nothing to get done. Put the, I mean, if you go, if you go and take a look at our, our page for opting in for this thing, emailmarketingheroes.com slash daily. The only reason I tell you to go there is it's the ugliest page you've ever seen in your life. And I say that with love because Rob designed it. And uh, I mean, it's, and it's terrible. But guess what? It's our highest performing opt-in. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I've I've signed up for that as well. And that's a good point. If you set the expectation, then they can't really complain. So so maybe I will try that. And I could while you were talking, my I was thinking, what well, what could I send an email? What kind of tip could I send every day? And I'm really like on top of keeping up with different like software and stuff or free things that people can use. 
So I'm like, maybe I could send an email with uh, a particular software that I recommend or some kind of tool or resource or even a book. You could, but the problem with that is, is you are relying on being able to find a new thing to talk about if you're going to do this every single day or even every single week. There might be a week when you go, I don't know. Whereas if you follow the framework of story, then a lesson, then an offer, so make it more soft teaching, then you can't run out of things to say. If your whole world is about helping small businesses to, to get going in, in, with really tight purse strings, then there are loads of soft tips you can give people that don't rely on your ability to do research. Because, come on, let's be honest, some, some weeks, some months, we just can't be bothered, can we? Like You might be having one of those months you go... Nah, I'll just sit in my pajamas and not even look at what's happening in the world. Because, like, that's the, that's life, isn't it? Like, why would you put yourself in the box of God? I'm gonna I'm gonna research all this stuff every week. Nah, not for me. I would be saying I'm gonna give you a cool tip to to grow your business on a on a shoestring budget or, or whatever it's gonna be, and you can definitely deliver that because all you've got to do. One of our techniques, as Rob said, is look back at the last 24 hours. Ask yourself what's the least boring thing that happened in the last 24 hours. Write a story about that. And pull the moral of the story out of it, which is the lesson, and then go, by the way, I've got this awesome book. I've got this awesome community, whatever, uh, and make the offer each day. The other good thing, by the way, and just while I'm going off on a tangent here, is the other great thing about making value in every single email is if the only time you show up in people's inboxes is to sell them something, there is zero motivation to open your emails. Unless I want to know what the heck are you peddling now? Or secondly, I'm thinking about buying it, which means you don't get the opportunity to put your sales message, your argument in front of people unless they want it, which is completely crazy. That's not what marketing is. That's like putting your marketing inside of a shop. You put the marketing on the outside of the shop, surely, right? So what's really good about putting value in the email is when you email, there's a reason to open your emails besides the pitch. And of course, getting someone to open your email is a whole other thing. So as far as subject lines go, what kind of tips would you have for that? So we'll definitely talk about that in a second. First of all, I just want to derail slightly in the vein of getting your emails opened. And that is that uh, that question is always presented like that. Okay, so we need to get our emails open. What's the subject lines to do it? And it's a little bit like one of our friends is a really good expert on delivery of emails and that kind of thing. Like technical, how do you get your emails delivered to the inbox? And again, a lot of people ask him the similar question, which is, what can I do to stop my emails going to spam? Well, actually, a lot of this actually just comes down to who you are and how you set up the initial relationship with the subscriber in the first place. Because what you can do and can't do and what you should do or shouldn't do in your subject lines will wholly depend on how you set that relationship up in the very early days. So for example, there are films that I will watch purely because they have an actor or an actress in them, that there's somebody in the film and I just like everything they're in and therefore I'm going to watch that film regardless. And so what you're looking to do is to create a relationship with your subscribers. And one of the ways of doing this is the getting to know you sequence that Kennedy mentioned earlier, those first four emails when somebody joins. But you want to get to a point where actually 
most of us, like certainly in our culture, we read from left to right. And if you think about your inbox screen, the first column you've got is who's the email from. Second column you've got is if you want to divide it into columns. Second column you've got is subject line. Third column, sort of, is the preview text, that first bit of text that you see in the email. So actually, what most people tend to do if you skim down your emails, and if you open your inbox on your phone, the who the email is from is more prevalent. It's usually in bold. It's slightly bigger text. It's more obvious than what the subject line is. So as you flick down your phone or across your screen, most people tend to see who the email is from, and then they look at the subject line. So as I scan down, I don't subscribe to that many people with like my primary email address. As I scan down my inbox, I can see that this is from eBay, this is from Apple, this is from whoever. And as I'm looking down, that's gonna that's actually the first subconscious decision I make as to whether I'm going to pay very much attention to the subject line. So the first thing is to realize the subject line is kind of important, but it's actually only one bit of everything that we've got in our arsenal to try and get people to open our emails. There's more stuff that we need to pay attention to. So basically the subject line is like one of the things we have in our armory to try and get our emails opened. But actually we need to look at the bigger picture. We need to look at, and we can definitely talk about subject lines in a second, I promise. But I just want to know that if you've got the best subject lines in the world, but nobody gives a hoot about who you are, they're not going to work. And so what we've got to be really careful of is to make sure that actually we can't use we can't use good or clever subject lines to patch up a bad relationship. We can't use good or clever subject lines. Like if you email your list and maybe they're a bit old and you haven't emailed them very much and now you start getting low open rates and low click-through rates, we can give you the best subject lines we've ever used and they just won't work for you. Partly because they're probably not in your personality and your style and your tone, but actually because it's not that those people aren't checking their emails anymore. They're just ignoring you. They're ignoring your emails. They're, they're, they're deflecting and moving on and looking at other people. So it's really important to know that actually the relationship is the primary thing that's going to get those emails opened. The subject lines, well, they, they, you know, it's good. You want to make sure you've got subject lines that are interesting and do grab people's attention, which Kennedy will talk about now. But it's really, really important to make sure we have that relationship bit in place first. Absolutely. And one of the things you want to make sure is that your actual relationship is you are only being affected by your relationship with the list. So I got an email just the other week from a guy called Dave. And it just said from, in the from column, it said Dave. And I'm like, I don't know who Dave is. I've got no idea who Dave is. Did I get onto Dave's list? Did somebody sell my data to Dave? Like already I'm going into that email like thinking, Dave's a bit of a plum. I don't really know if I'm like very much of a fan of Dave. But the, the really simple solution is, Every time you send an email, Sarah, if you send it from Sarah-Frugalpreneur, guess what? You are only being judged by your personal reputation. So every time Rob sends an email to our list, it comes from Rob slash email marketing heroes. So it means that you are only being judged by your particular reputation, not by the fact that your Sarah emails are great. There's some other Sarah, and she's terrible person, horrible human being. You're not being lumped into that same pool. So that's a really important thing. So subject lines. The biggest mistake people make in subject lines is they answer the question. We see this all of the time when we're critiquing our members of our community, which is called The League. It's our paid membership. When we're giving feedback to people in there and in our Facebook group, actually, people say, what, you know, what do you think the subject line? And the honest answer is, I don't have a reason to open that email. You've told me the answer or you've implied that I might know the answer. So let me give you both of those things. The first one is if you've told me the answer. Okay, a subject line like this. You, you've probably seen this. It's popular. Why Instagram is my number one traffic source. Absolutely no reason to open that now because I now know the answer is Instagram. 
There's no, there's no reason to open that email. So that's that's one common thing we see. So we want to know like we want to know what that thing is. We want to know the curiosity. Another version, which you might think is an improvement, actually it's, it's partially worse, but it's easier to do, is my number one traffic source, 2021. It sounds good. It sounds curious because curiosity is the thing that gets people to, to click that email open. The problem is when you say, what is my number one traffic source for 2021 or my number one traffic source? The problem with all of those is the person reading that, the person receiving that might already know what they think it is. And if they do, again, there's no compelling reason to open that email. Because if I know you're an Instagram coach, or if I know that you teach these three main traffic sources, then I'm going to go, oh, it's going to be one of those three. I've got no reason to open that email. So there needs to be, and this is the sort of, this is what we call the date test, right? This is called the date test. And what you basically do when you're writing a subject line is you imagine your person who's receiving this email. And remember, when you're writing an email, you're writing it to one person. It's a very private thing. So, hey guys, terrible way of starting an email because I'm not guys. I'm me. I'm Kennedy. I'm one person, right? So when we imagine that person receiving their email, I want to imagine that they're sitting on a date with the hottest person they've ever been on a date with, like Rob or somebody like that, right? So they're on a date with some absolute stunner, right? And their phone is just face up to one side on the table. And you've ordered something lovely in the chat's going, well, they're laughing, you're laughing, you're laughing at each other. It's going, you're looking dreamily into each other's eyes. And your email lands and just, just the subject line pops up as a notification on their phone. Is your subject line good enough for them to say to Mr. or Mrs. Hot Stuff, hang on a minute, I've got to read this email. If it is then you've got a good email subject line because what we want to do is have it so good that it will interrupt something which is already emotionally charged. And because we need to get people emotionally charged and psychologically invested in our email subject lines. So these are lots of ways not to do it. Rob, what's some good ways of doing it? Well, we want to make sure that we're hinging the whole subject line on something that is unique every time, regardless of what you're going to talk about. So here's, I think, what is the really interesting thing is that Again, there's only so many things you can say about whatever it is that you do or sell or teach. Like in email marketing terms, we've got loads that we teach, but in terms of making sure it's always consumable and it's always short and to the point inside emails, we've probably got a maximum of maybe, I don't know, a hundred things that I sort of lean on. And they're going to be the general principles like email more often, include value in every email, just the things we're talking about here. And so what I want to do is I want to make sure that I can send over time a hundred emails that say you should send more emails more often. But if I, if I hinged my subject lines on send more emails more often, I might have a grand total of, I don't know, 15 subject lines before I dry up and run out of ideas. So instead, what we tend to do is make the subject lines about the story that you're telling, or maybe about the lesson, but most of the time about the story that you're telling, because those subject lines are different every time. And there's a whole host of different things that you can talk about. So for example, so very briefly, the story, uh, the second email I sent about the fact I'd bought a mattress was about the fact that when I bought this mattress, I expected a lorry to turn up outside the house with two burly men and a big cardboard box that was shaped like a mattress. And what actually happened was a little weedy fella jumped out of a van and he had one little box that was shaped like a tube. So I heard the doorbell ring. I didn't he actually knocked on the door because nobody rings my doorbell. I opened the door and there he is stood with this box. 
and he's ready to take the photograph so that they know it's been delivered. And I clearly looked confused. And he said, oh, it's, a, it's the mattress. And I clearly still looked confused. And he said, oh, we vacuum pack them now. And I'd never seen this before. So this was like, that's a mattress? That's going to go on my bed and I'm going to sleep on that. That's long enough for me to sleep on comfortably and roll around a bit. So anyway, this was the basic gist of the story. And so now I'm looking for subject lines to talk about. And bear in mind, this is an email about email marketing. So I'm looking at what's the story, because when I write, when I start writing the story, we have no idea where the end result is going to go. We've no, no idea how I'm going to get that to be about email marketing, how I'm going to shoehorn email marketing into this email. So I started talking about, well, what's the story? Just what's the story? Well, it's this box turned up and I didn't know what was in it. Turns out it was a mattress. What, they put mattresses in these boxes these days? And so I'm, I'm thinking this through. And so all of these subject lines pop out and they're things like, what's in this box? That's interesting. That's that's intriguing. Nobody's not opening that email. Uh, what's inside this box, this weird package, this unexpected package? I'm looking for the interesting thing things like unexpected delivery. I'm looking for the, actually, that's a different subject line I've used before for something else where I got delivered a parcel I didn't order. But I'm basically looking for the stuff that is interesting. And if you say, what's inside this box? People can't help but think, what box? Is there a picture of the box? I want to see the box. What box is Rob talking about? And so people need to like come and get involved and find out more. So the easiest thing to do is actually I would say the vast majority of our subject lines step miles away from email marketing. They're not about, for the most part, they're not about click-through rates. They're not about open rates. They're not about all the stuff you would think of, the sort of buzzwords of email. Occasionally they are. Just like, for example, the other day I sent out a subject line that was how to get a lower open rate. Now, that worked purely because, well, everyone's like, what? What do you mean a lower open rate? Nobody wants a lower open rate. What are you on about a lower open rate? But the, the reason was the story about the story in that email came from a conversation about open rates with somebody. And therefore that just made sense. So the only way I could get away with making that subject line be about boring email marketing stuff like open rates was basically flipping it on its head, making it something that nobody wants, like lower open rates, something that's like so off the wall, it doesn't make any sense. So again, that subject line did really well. But most of the time we're looking for something that's miles away from what we actually teach or serve or talk about. And what that means is the curiosity element of it really grabs people's attention. They want to know what box. And again, when you use the relationship bit to bring people so deeply into their, into your lives, they want to know what the next chapter of your story is just like they want to watch the next episode of that soap opera or that Netflix drama. They want to know, did you win? Did you lose? Did you thrive? Did you struggle? Did you laugh? Did you cry? They want to know what's the next chapter of your little story. And so that subject line is actually designed to continue the story from yesterday's email to tomorrow's email. And it's designed to, to continue that narrative, I suppose. And as Rob just touched on there, like we one of the things we do is we share personal stuff about our lives. So I'll often talk I'll often talk about the fact I've got two Bengal kittens called Nova and Ivy. I'll talk about the fact that I've got a niece and a nephew. I'll talk about my sister, Jane. I'll talk about all these, I'll talk about my dad nearly falling backwards out of a window. These, these are recent emails I've sent in the last 10 days. I talk about all of these things and we're talking about marketing and every single one. What's really interesting about doing this though is, they're just everyday things that are happening. The fact that the cats, you know, the kittens were running around going crazy the other night is a thing that people can go, that's what's happening. But what's more important is they are now, your audience, your, your readers are now seeing you as much more than that person who sends them black text on a white background in an email. You're now a person who has a family, 
who has pets, who has other interests. I often used to talk about when I used to go to the theatre a lot, obviously before the pandemics hit. There's all these things. So people get a real picture of you, which means you build more trust. And with more trust, comes more sales because we live in the lowest levels of trust online that we've ever been in. So we do we use these stories about our lives. These are not like, hey, tell the story of you know, the, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Yeah, that got me thinking. I could tell the story about how... So before we started recording, I was telling y'all that I'm in Dallas, Texas, and the whole state is well below freezing for like the first time and who knows. And I just noticed this morning that my toilet is frozen. So that might be a fun story to tell <laughs> in an email about how my, my toilet right. is frozen and now I can't flush it or, or anything. But when you tell a story, do you have to find a way to tie that into what you're discussing in the email or the offer? Or is it just completely random and unrelated? So this is the thing. This is how you write them really fast. This is how you do it in less than four and a half minutes. In fact, I timed myself the other morning and I put a screenshot in our Facebook group and it was like two minutes, 39 seconds from writing it to hitting send, the whole process, right? And you can only do it at this speed, which means you could you have to do it at speed in order to do it regularly. Like if there's lots of barriers in your way of doing it, you're never going to do it every day. So we need to make sure we we smooth that process. Like you smoothen the process for someone buying from you, you remove all the resistances. You need to do the same thing for you if you want to create a habit in doing something successful for your business like this. So the way we do this is we think of the story on the way to the kettle in the morning to make my first cup of tea is what I'm doing. As I'm strolling from bed across the room and I go and put the kettle on, I'm thinking about, oh, what was the least boring thing that happened yesterday? At that point, it's really important not to think about anything else. Don't think about the subject line. Don't think about the lesson. Don't think about how it ties into your offer. Just think about the story. And the truth is the reason you don't want to think about the lesson is because by the time that lesson moves from your brain to the ends of your fingers and onto the screen, the way you tell the story and the moral of the story will almost always change. Almost always. So, And it's a waste of mental calories. So literally... I'll think about the story. So what's the least boring thing that's happened today? Emma, my other half, her sister is is currently in labor as we're recording this. Quite exciting stuff. So I'll probably talk about, you know, that somehow. I don't know, right? So the story would start off with something. Actually, let's take your story because I could have prepared that and I haven't heard your story before. So let's just do that. So you're talking about your toilet is frozen. So this is what I would do. I don't even know where this is going to go. I'm going to link it to one of our products. So we have a membership. It's a monthly membership called the League of Email Marketing Heroes, where we give people a whole range of email marketing campaigns every single month to sell products and services and courses and stuff online. Great. So that's the things I've got to connect somehow. Let's do it in real time. So let me think of the, the email is going to be, it's Flippin' Eck, Dallas, Texas. So Flippin' Eck's a pretty good, pretty good opening. I've never used that before. So Flippin' Eck, it's freezing. It's never been below zero in, in Dallas, Texas for pff, who knows how long, as long as I've been alive, that's for sure. It's so cold, I literally can't flush the toilet. It's frozen. So that's the story. Like I that that's all I need to do. That's all I need to do. We could talk about storytelling techniques another time, but there's important important stuff in there in that we've given it a location. If you give a story a location, it instantly becomes a better story. Always, right? So in, in the fact that we've talked about, in this case, we're going to two locations. One of them is Dallas, Texas, and the other one is your house by mentioning the toilet. So we've given it a location, which is great. You don't have to do, you don't have to do both. Like you can usually just say, in my house, that's fine. Okay, then we're going to transition into the lesson. 
sometimes there's stuff in your life that you're just try- that you just can't that you just don't expect. You just don't expect these things to happen. Like I never thought I'd be living with a frozen toilet in Dallas, Texas. So I t- I'm talking about not expecting these things. Something else I didn't expect. Now I'm going to transition into the offer. So, so that's, the, that's the lesson. So, ooh, sometimes things in life happen that you don't expect. Now I'm going to transition to the offer. And the offer is going to be, one of the things we didn't expect is to make a sale of our membership, the league, on Christmas Day. The only reason that was possible is because we have a series of email automation campaigns which are running all of the time making sales. And on Christmas Day, it happened to be that somebody received an email that offered the membership to our membership, The League, on that day. That wouldn't happen without that. If you'd like to find out about how to implement the, have these campaigns and implement them in your life, in your business, click here and check out The League of Email Marketing Heroes. I mean, obviously that was me typing and deleting words as I was getting them wrong. That's that's kind of how it would happen in real life. So that's how simple it is. But when that when you told me that story, I had no idea how that was gonna work, how that was gonna work out. And it doesn't have to be elegant. Like that was kind of a clumsy link. And probably the other great thing about email marketing is if the link's not strong and you think I could do a better job of that, unlike when I was throwing those words out my mouth just now. You don't have to click send. Like the moment the words left my mouth just then, they were sent. They were, it, you heard them. Whereas in an email, you can delete and go, actually, I can make a better link here. Or that lesson doesn't quite work. Delete, delete, delete. And you might spend up to four and a half, five minutes writing that email. But the shortest I've ever done is two, is two minutes that I've timed anyway, two minutes, 30 seconds. I, I think I'm going to go with that and work on that email after this and try to come up with a correlation there. That's awesome. Thanks for doing that. That was fun. <laughs> so your shortest email took two and a half minutes. It were, do you have like a timer there? <laughs> I did that morning. I just thought, I wonder how long this will take me this morning. I'll just put the timer on. And then I just, I wrote it and then I clicked. So I was like, flip it out. That's a really good time. And bear in mind, I'm dyslexic. So I'm deleting a lot and like redoing stuff. Like I'm not a great writer. And I just thought, oh, that's that's a pretty good time. So I just grabbed a screenshot and, and put it into our members group and said, look, this is how long it took this morning. Sometimes Rob will go live into our members Facebook group and and he'll like do it live. So he'll go on and go, all right, somebody tell me a story, just like what I did with you just then. Somebody tell me a story. I'm going to send today's email. He opens up the email system that we use, has it blank on the screen so everybody can see it. Somebody will go, oh, I don't know. I My horse ran away. We've got quite a few people in the who are sort of in the horsey sort of pet world in our membership. So, okay, my horse ran away. Okay, great. And then Rob will go, okay, great. My horse ran away and start writing the story and then transition it into a one of our members horse ran away the other day and blah, 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 blah. Turns it into a lesson, turns it into the offer. And the longest that live has taken, including gathering the ideas and talking the whole thing out loud, you know how much longer it takes to talk things out loud while you're trying to process it at the same time, I think it was like 20 minutes maximum. So that's with talking and out loud 20 minutes. And then we have other people coming to us going, oh, it takes me an hour a day to write my email. And I'm like, flip an heck, you're writing too complicated emails. Simplify, simplify, simplify. Like our accountant's a great example. I couldn't possibly send more than one email a month, he says, but I've looked at his email and it's like 42 subheadings with two paragraphs under each one. And I'm like, dude, you could show up every day and people would actually read this email rather than it being this massive email that no one's made it to the bottom of. Other than your four-day initial email sequence, do you not really have any kind of email sequences beyond that? You just do your that email that day, and then and if that's the case, then do you really have segmentation and all that? So our 
email marketing on the whole generally falls into two bits. There's the campaign bits and then there's the daily email bits. So daily emails, we call them snowball emails. And the reason we call them that is it's a bit like a snowball. You take it, you throw it out. It's probably a sore point talking about snow for you right now and being cold and things. But we make a snowball, you throw it out. And then one at a time, like if somebody just throws a snowball at you, it has a bit of an impact. It doesn't make a great deal. But eventually, if you take enough snowballs, they turn into an avalanche. And that has that has a really big consequence. And so the daily emails, we really see them as a thing as, sure, every day we send an email, we make sales. But on the whole, what they're really doing is they're slowly, bit by bit, day by day, building up a bigger picture of what it is that you do and how you can serve that subscriber. They're deepening the relationship on that subscriber. And eventually, you'll get the snowball that causes the avalanche. You'll get the snowball that for that person, they might have been on your list for three years and it might have taken 900 snowballs to do it. But eventually they go, do you know what? I like Sarah. This is the time. This is my time. I'm going to take this. I'm going to grab it and I'm just going to go for it. And so that's what they do. However, we definitely do want to use campaigns. And what I mean by a campaign is a structured set of emails that have a beginning, a middle and an end. They take it, the subscriber on a journey. They are in the, in their own right, their own mini avalanche. And we definitely want to use those for sure. So the way that we do them is that we have a sequence of these campaigns that are automated and with they, they happen as soon as somebody joins our list and they come out of the other end of our getting to know you sequence. So they go through those four emails. As soon as they come out of there, we want them to go through a sequence of emails designed to sell them our core offer. So for us, that's our daily email strategy. And then once we've sold that or once we've talked about that for a couple of weeks, we then move on and then talk about the league. And so basically the reason that that's there is, is to provide the solution to one of the major problems that email marketers have. And that's this. Somebody comes along and they find your website and they see your lead magnet and they think, wow, that sounds amazing. So they put their email address in and you send them the lead magnet because you promised that you would. And then the following day, they receive an email from some promotion that you're running where you're on like day four of a launch of a product that they don't know what it is and they don't know why they're receiving this email. And suddenly this email from you says, well, we've had loads of questions about my fabulous product. And so I'm going to answer those questions here. Question number one, is there a refund? Yes, there is a refund. And this person's like, why am I getting this email and what's the product and what, like what's going on? There's no context. It makes no sense whatsoever. So it's a bit like starting with the second Harry Potter book when you don't know who the characters are. Like none of it makes sense without context. So we use these, we call them train carriages, explain why in a second, but we use these automated campaigns as a method of making sure that every subscriber who comes into our world has the best possible fighting chance of knowing for sure what's on the other end, like what that product is. So for example, our very first campaign we almost always run is something we created called the Overture campaign, a musical theater reference because we like musical theater, but it's basically the introduction to the product. It's the first email is, this is what the product is. The second email is, this is the transformation it will give you. And then over the rest of them, it takes them through why other people like them like it, why it will overcome their objections, some kind of urgency as to why they should buy this now. And so we make sure that with our subscribers going through that first, well, now they know what our products are. At the bare minimum, that's what you should have. Somebody joins your list, goes through the getting to know you sequence, and then goes through one sales campaign that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, a structure to tell them what the product is that structures that sales conversation the same way that somebody would if you were if they were selling something in person. And then they can drop off and go into your snowball day-to-day -day emails however often you want to email. And it shouldn't feel like it's a very obvious drop off a cliff. It should segue nicely because those emails are written in a very similar style to our day-to-day -day snowball emails. And so then what happens is a few months later, you might think, oh, I've got another idea for a campaign. One of the things we do inside the league is give people a brand new campaign they can use every month, plus our entire library of them. So you might think, you might look at our Black Widow campaign 
and you might think, I want to run that next. So you write the Black Widow campaign. You can run it live to your list, like in real time, like actually send the emails every day. And when it works and you're happy with it, you can take it and then automate it and add it to the end of your little train carriages. And that's why we call them train carriages. Each one is like its own little train carriage. They couple them together and one flows nicely into the next one, like somebody walking down a train. But if at any point you want to change it, you want to add a new one in, you try something new and you think, oh, that would be great between the Overture and the Black Widow campaign. You just uncouple them, you drop the new one in the middle and then put them back together again. And now you've added that one into the middle, you've made the train a bit longer. Or you could put it on the end, you could put it on the beginning, you could put it wherever you like. So the way that we have it is somebody joins our list today for whatever reason, because of a lead magnet or to get our daily emails or to hear more about our podcast. Or if you join our Facebook group, the Email Marketing Show community, you have the chance to opt into our list there as well. So we've got a whole bunch of things that point you to being on our list. You might buy one of our front-end products. Once you do that, whichever it is, you go through our getting to know you sequence first. At the end of the getting to know you sequence, you then go into our train carriages of campaigns that are purely designed to tell you about the products that we've got. At the end of those train carriages, which in our business right now, at the time of recording this, I think it would take you somewhere between, it depends how fast you go through them. Because if you click on different things, you'll route through the carriages slightly differently. But if you were to it would take you somewhere between three and five weeks to get all the way through before you receive any of our real day-to-day -day written emails. That's just how, how big we've built our carriages to be. If you come into our business and you get to the end of that and you haven't joined the league, there can only really be two reasons for it. One, you're not actually that interested in email marketing. Or two, the timing just isn't right. Email's not a priority for you right now. You're focused on social media or webinars or something else. But those are really the only two reasons. By that point, you can't not trust us. You would have unsubscribed if you didn't. You can't not like our personality because people who don't unsubscribe. By that point, if you're still in our world after, after receiving basically six weeks of at least one email a day, the only reason you haven't joined is timing. And that's where the snowball emails come in. Because now we're just going to hit you with a snowball every day in the nicest possible way. A snowball that's full of value and, and, and enjoyment and entertainment. And at at some point, it might take a month, it might take six months, it might take a year, but at some point you will go, now is the right time for me to join and just jump on it. And do you know what? When it is the right time, we're there because we're in your inbox every day. There is zero possibility that you're going to get a year down the line and go, right, I've got my webinar sorted. Now it's time to sort out this email marketing thing. Where should I go? Who should I look to to help me with email marketing? You're not going to do that because we're in your inbox every day talking about email marketing. Do you use Response Suite, your program for your emails? No. So, I mean, we, we developed Response Suite for a really particular reason. Response Suite is actually not an email marketing platform. That's what's really interesting about teaching email marketing is we are completely on the Email Marketing Show podcast and in all of our training, we are platform agnostic because we don't own an email marketing platform, which means we can be free of the technology. We focus on the psychology so we don't have to worry about the technology. That's really important for us, right? So what Response Suite allows you to do is we wanted to be able to segment our email list so that when, when somebody joins your list, they're joining because they want to solve a particular problem. If you join our list, it's because you want to do really good email marketing and, and, and really deliver value and make sales. But we also know that within that big bundle of people who join our list, we've all got different sort of priorities right now. Some people will be all about building my email list. Some people will be about how do I start making sales, even though if my list is not really big. Some people will be like, oh, do you know what it is? I've built a list, but I've sort of ignored them. What shall I do with them now? And some people are like, ah, the technology, it's a little bit overwhelming. What shall I do? So depending on, on what, where you are, we'll want to offer you a different product or we'll want to offer you the same product, the league, from a different angle. So if you said, oh, my focus right now is I need to build my email list. Well, we will tell you about the league from that angle. 
oh, here, here's how we tell, help you to do that. Or if you want to make sales, we'll tell you about the league from that angle. But how do we do that in a practical way? So what Response Suite is, it's a survey, quiz, and application form platform, which integrates directly with email marketing platforms so that every single choice someone makes in a quiz or a survey will, will, will tag them in your email marketing platform. So you can then put them in the right sequence and the right automation to make the offers that are most relevant to them. Because the biggest number one reason people unsubscribe is not because of you email too often. It's not because they think it's spam. It's because they don't think it's relevant anymore. They think you're talking about stuff that's not what they need help with. Because if I'm emailing you every day with a thing that's going to help you the most, it's highly relevant. You're going to stick around. That's what Response Suite does. Literally, you integrate it with your email marketing platform and you ask questions and you segment people based on their choice in those surveys. You tag them differently in your email marketing system. You can send them to different thank you pages after completing the survey to make them the right offer or put them down the right path, uh, all those sorts of things. So it's really about segmentation, understanding people and staying highly relevant in your email marketing, which is why we teach email marketing as well. So those two things work really well in ha hand in hand. But it also means because we're agnostic to the platforms and we love them all and we hate them all at the same time, like they've all got beautiful things and terrible things about them, we can really stay focused on. A lot of people become so obsessed about the technology of email marketing. Oh, but how do I, how do I? Okay, forget the technology. Don't look at technology. Please. So it's not an email marketing platform, but integrates with your email marketing platform to help segment. Okay, that makes sense. Is there a particular email marketing platform that y'all recommend and use or do you not really go there? It really depends on what you want. They're all good. They're all terrible. You know, as Kennedy said, in different ways, we can tell you what we personally use. We currently use Keep, which is, used to be known as Infusionsoft, but they changed their name, and Active Campaign, but we've used ConvertKit. We have clients who are doing this with everything from the free account of MailChimp and MailerLite through to HubSpot and like the higher end, more expensive CRMs that have email built into them as a function. But yeah. And you know what? It's really one of those things where it's going to depend on how big your list is. So a lot of platforms up to like two and a half thousand subscribers, one platform is definitely the cheapest. But then once you get over two and a half thousand subscribers, suddenly the price soars. And actually there are other platforms that are more efficient at that point. So it's one of those things. We have a cheat sheet that we give away inside the league that basically says, what criteria do you really have? What's your budget? How many subscribers? if you've got all the stuff you should be looking for in your business. And at the end of it, it's like a diagnostic. It'll tell you, oh, actually, these are probably the best platforms for you to go and check out. Well, I appreciate y'all's time today. I mean, I could keep talking to y'all forever, but I know we're at the hour mark here. So we, again, especially if you're, I guess your sister-in-law, you said, Kennedy is in labor, your sister-in-law. Okay. So yeah, I, I definitely yeah. need to let you go because you never know how those things will go. Well, if people want to find out more about you, they can go to email marketing heroes dot com or response suite dot com and then people can join the league and is there anything else that you wanted to point out or touch on? Sure. I mean, you know what it is? It's, it's easy with it. When they come to the end of these things, go, oh, this is great. And I feel really amped up. And then you start to think about how you're going to apply this. Because you know, we know that email marketing is the highest return on investment thing we can do as a business. We we all know that inside, right? But then we try to apply it. We're like, okay, how do I make this work for me? My business is different. Guess what? All of our business is different. So that's why we founded this free community as well. Because you want to make sure that price-wise, we want to be able to help everyone and change the way people do email marketing. So literally go to Facebook and search for the email marketing show community because it's named after the email marketing show podcast we're good at email marketing terrible at naming things so that's why we called it the email marketing show community and literally just join us in there and if you're thinking about 
how do I apply this to my business? Tell us what your business is. We'll help you apply it right in there at No Holds Barred. It's a really great place to be. And of course, if you happen to love uh, listen to podcasts, which I think you probably do uh, since we're here today, then uh, do look for The Email Marketing Show. If you enjoyed and found value from this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash frugalpreneur. Until next time. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.